0: Hello and welcome to PFF Fantasy Football Podcast Team Preview Edition, breaking down all things Tampa Bay Buccaneers today. I'm your host, Ian Harditz. Thank you, as always, for tuning in. Always joining me here is none other than the one, the only, Dwayne The Rock McFarlane. Dwayne, what's up, man?
1: You know, Ian, we love to cover every team. We talk about leaving no stone unturned. But I got to say, I'm excited. I feel like we were kind of a little bit lost in the wilderness. We covered the Texans (laughs) and the Jaguars back to back. Again, Happy to cover those teams, but now it's the Bucks, man. Look, this team this is this team is so loaded. I'm I'm very excited about today's episode. <laughs> I know what you're saying, because we have had these teams where it's like, you know,
0: when I do go through the summary, there ends up only being one or two guys that are really worth talking about. We're going to see how that 60-minute time limit goes. It's not a time limit. It can (laughs) go however long we want because this could be in jeopardy. So, as usual, we're going to go through some of the notable offseason moves, the draft picks, before getting into quarterback, running back, wide receiver, and tight end analysis. So, pretty simple here in terms of the coaching staff because while Bruce Arians did retire, they're keeping all the continuity, promoting from within with defensive coordinator Todd Bowles now taking over the head coaching job and also offensive coordinator Byron Left, which is still running the offense. Whether it's Byron, whether it's Tom Brady, both guys are back, so who really cares who's actually making the decisions? Either way, this is arguably like the most fantasy friendly offense in the entire NFL. They were fifth in non garbage time pass play rate in 2020, top spot in 2021. They've been a top five offense in situation neutral pace over the past two seasons. You throw in this fact that Brady has never been a scrambling QB and Bra- and Dwayne. We have more pass game volume than anywhere, and we have a quarterback that's not going to be eating into his backfield rushing attempts. Like, truly, if there was an offense to ever, because I think we had that, uh, the only offense, I think, to ever enable three top 24 fantasy wide receivers, a top 12 tight end, and a top 12 running back was that Peyton Manning uh, Broncos team. I think it was like Sean Decker, Demarius, Wes Welker, and, uh, and Thomas, a tight end. Julius, like, yeah. Yeah, if there is a team that like has a chance of putting up some sort of gaudy numbers across the entire offense like this, it's the Buccaneers.
1: Yeah, absolutely, man. Um, you know, pedal to the metal, <laughs> uh, want to run a lot of plays, high quality plays. Like it's hard, man. It's hard to find that combination. You know, most teams that you know, or pedal to the metal or because they're trailing and they're really not very good, you know. And so the quality of, of play goes down, even though you may be picking up the volume. With the Bucks. like they want to put their foot on your throat and they just want to completely step on it. And that's the style of their offense. Um, look at them last year. You already hit a few of the key things, but just kind of to reiterate, passing when trailing by four or more points, 5% above the league average, passing when the game was within, within three points, above the NFL average. So that's 68% versus 60% for the league. And then passing when leading. This one is huge. 62% of the time still throwing the ball when leading by four or more points. The NFL average is 51%. That tells you like, they know the way they win is with Tom Brady throwing the ball. The way they continue to keep a lead is also with Tom Brady, you know, throwing the ball. Not that they won't ever, you know, tone things down towards the end of the game and, you know, give a few more carries to the backs. They'll do that. But overall, like they're so far above the averages across every type of game strip. That gives you a lot of insulation. You know, a lot of these teams you'll hear us talk through You know, like they kind of stick out in one area or the other. Um, But the Bucs are like one of those teams where absolutely it's clear what they want to do. And when you look at what they did with their offseason moves and the way that the team is built, like it makes sense that they want to do what they're doing. Speaking
0: of those off-season moves, obviously Tom Brady had that nice six-week retirement to really, you know, help grind some NFL <laughs> offseason news back in March. He is back, always done 33 regular season games with the Buccaneers, has tossed 83 touchdowns and throw for 9,949 yards. Like, these are just bonkers numbers that this man is putting up. He will turn 45 going to August. But, man, like... In 2014, Peyton Manning, like we know 2015 was rough, but by the end of 2014, you could see that arm strength was gone. I think there was a similar sentiment with Drew Brees at 2019 going into 2020. I know Brees was playing through like 10 injuries in 2020 as well, but no evidence of Brady falling off Dwayne. If anything, like his arm looked better last year than it has in a while. It's it's absolutely ridiculous.
1: Yeah, with Brees and with Brady, I mean, with Brees and um, Rivers... And with Manning, like, towards the end of their career, like, it almost started to look more like almost a shot put. Ben, (laughs) too. The way the ball was. Ben, too. But with Brady, you just don't see it. And maybe a lot of that, you know, I'm sure some of it's genetics. But uh, I don't know. All these guys take care of themselves. But, like, Brady is, like, hyper-focused on taking care of his body, you know. And so I think he's there's just a level of commitment there that... Um, not to say it's more than what those like Peyton Manning is committed as anyone to anything, but yeah. it just doesn't to your point, look the same Brady. Whenever I watch him play football and I watch pretty much every snap from last year, I've rewatched almost every snap because they're fun. It's fun to watch a guy <laughs> like Tom Brady work when he has the weapons that he has. I'm with you. Um, Does he have the same zip, you know, that he had 10 years ago? No, but he's learned how to account for that um in his game. And he's a great anticipator, right? You know I mean? He's a freaking computer. He's a cyborg out there. Like he's, He's calculating everything like before the snap, right after the snap, and he knows how to he knows how to keep the offense in the right plays. And so, like his brain makes up for anything that he's given up as far as you know his fastball.
0: I think one of the best throws of his career was that game-winning touchdown he threw the Brandon Cooks with the Patriots where he just honey-holed that thing right into the side of the end zone. And Cooks got the two feet down like to win the game with under 30 seconds left. I was going through some of his big-time throws this morning, and you're still seeing those same shots down the sideline. Or he's just literally lobbing that thing in the exact perfect spot for one of his talented receivers to run
1: underneath it. So truly no top-off of Brady he's great at reading the defense and knowing his players. So like, if you look, we'll talk about Mike Evans more in a minute, but like Mike Evans targets per route run versus zone coverage has dropped since Brady's come to town. Why? Because Brady doesn't force into double coverage. Like he's not going to push the ball down the field. Whenever you've got a safety over the top and you know, you've got a quarterback in trail or on, you know, Evans. But as soon as you give him single man coverage outside against Mike Evans, like he's going there, like, um, like, and he still knows how to your point to work like the, you know, the turkey hole or the honey hole, which I think you had Chris Collinsworth lasting uh, laughing last year when we were on his pod with Honey Hole. I was so I nervous.
0: I I I think I asked like uh Mike Renner or someone immediately after. I was like, Am I crazy? Or is this like an actual terminology for hitting that cover two shot? And he was like, No, yeah, I for sure heard that. But Chris acted like I was freaking an alien when I said that.
1: He did. It was so funny. It was classic. It was classic. Oh, but my. but yeah, with Brady man, like just you know he just he knows exactly you know what to do, and that just keeps you know his team in a great situation. So like that's just an example though that we've seen you know with Evans. Now you know that isn't necessarily good for Evans like just as far as like his pure targets, but right the quality of targets Evans still sees is a uh, really good because of the way that Brady handles it.
0: At running back Ronald Jones took his talents to the Chiefs. I get it, 2018 second round pick. You expecting a little bit more out of the guy, but you know, he had over a thousand total yards in both 2019 and 2020. One of the reasons why I'm not out on Rojo at all, where he's going in drafts, but we'll save that for the Chiefs episode. Also, Le'Veon Bell remains an unrestricted free agent after having 12 touches with the Bucks last season. The big move at wide receiver obviously, Antonio Brown doesn't really count because he was released before the end of last season release or he quit you can kind of be the person deciding that but to replace him Russell Gage from the Falcons three years 30 million dollar contract and man depending on how Chris Godwin's ACL recovery goes Gage could be looking at a status as the number two pass game option for at least the first early on bit of the season so keep an eye on Russell Gage and Chris Godwin for sure the real big question too still facing us is what's going to happen with Rob Gronkowski remains an unrestricted free agent when we talked about this a bit on our best ball streams though because 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 I have a a problem, but it's a great problem. I can't stop drafting Rob Gronkowski in the double-digit rounds of best ball drafts. The Athletics' Greg Allman, who was kind enough to grace this podcast with his presence last year as part of our 32 for 32 Beat Writer Series, does fantastic work. He has reported that the expectation remains Gronk will be back on the team. And why wouldn't he? Because if you look at the other moves, OJ Howard signed a one-year, just $3 million deal with the Bills. They didn't sign any other tight ends. And in the draft, they went ahead and just took Kate Otten in the fourth round and Co Keith in the sixth round. So when you have Tom Brady coming back, you're trying to win the Super Bowl all you do is use a couple of day 3 picks on the position and you allow a guy that was very familiar with the offense and Brady seemed to trust enough in OJ Howard to walk for just 3 million like Dwayne we're getting reports from the beat writers Gronk himself hasn't denied the fact he's coming back he just kind of said like he's going to make him wait a little bit similar to Brady did and you just you know read between the lines on what's happening Gronk's playing for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in 2022
1: I'll be shocked if Rob Gronkowski does not play, uh, yeah. so will all of my best ball teams. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but the Rob thing is like, look, this is when you've, you, yeah, you do it this right my now. Mind. You do it right now. Cause he's going to shoot. I got, I got, going, like, I got, I got sniped on him
1: earlier this week in, uh the hard way draft over at the FFPC. Now this is a redraft, but tight end premium. I was doing my normal thing, just sitting back, <laughs> waiting, going to grab Gronk in the eighth or ninth round. And uh, Hilo, you guys can find him, H-I-L-O-W, Mark Garcia, on Twitter, he got my ass. Yeah, he had the pick right in front of me, and it was there was no hesitation. As soon as the pick got to him, Rob Gronkowski, <laughs> I was like, oh, shit. So, yeah, uh, but yeah, I love grabbing, you know, Gronk now. Um, and even if we end up being wrong, there's some chance, you know, whatever, 1-5% that Gronk doesn't play. I'm still good with it, just because how much ADP is going to move up once Gronk, um, you know, does announce that he's playing.
0: I mentioned the pair of late round tight ends already. The Bucks did use their third round pick on running back Rashad White out of Arizona State. Uh, Rashad White taking it upon himself one of the funnier post draft NFL storylines. When people have like been comparing him to Ronald Jones, he has actually DM those people and been like, "Keep my name out of your mouth. I am nothing like Ronald Jones." And I, 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 from what I saw, I don't think he was necessarily trying to put Ronald Jones down. I think he was trying to hype up Rashad White. So what's wrong with a little bit of self confidence? I think he's saying
1: that he can play on pass downs. I think that's. Yeah. All Saying,
0: and <laughs> we hey, know that
1: Ronald Jones can't.
0: <laughs> and PFF sure seems to agree. Rashad White last year, PFF's third highest graded running back in receiving grade among all FBS backs. And reading the draft guide, man, Mike Renner was even saying like there is a possibility. I'm not so sure the Bucks are planning on this, but Mike thought enough of his receiving skills to say that Rashad White could actually convert to wide receiver if the team wanted to. So that's how good his pass game skills are. We'll talk in a little bit about what we should actually expect from him in terms of usage. So. Dwayne already said a lot of good things about Tom Brady, but why not say some more? It is a goat we're talking about. Turns 45 in August. But again, it's just expecting father time to finally win out. You know, at this point, it's one of the biggest rivalries of Brady's career, him versus father time. But, Again, nothing we've seen with our eyes is really demonstrating that. Nothing we're seeing with the analytics is saying that either. Since joining the Buccaneers, number two among forty-four quarterbacks in PFF pass grade, he's eighth in quarterback rating, fifth in big-time throw rate, first in turnover-worthy play rate. The only things we see that are even close to average yards per attempt, he's at fourteenth, and adjusted completion rate at twenty-second. But Dwayne, it really doesn't matter. I mean, those are still really good efficiency numbers. But when you have this out, just otherworldly volume that he's dealing with in the passing game. He doesn't even need to be a top five quarterback in some of these efficiency metrics, and he doesn't even need to run the ball. We talk a lot here about expected points and how you can look at a player more through a workload lens and, you know, help determine like which guys do we think are going to win out more on their talent over what we should expect and I was shocked to look at last year and see that in terms of expected fantasy points per game only Josh Allen and Lamar Jackson had more than Brady so yes these dual threat quarterbacks the two means of productions it is huge and I've called it fancy cheat code and I do think it is but man Dwayne the amount that Brady throws this ball it makes up for that you know lack of a rushing floor he's always had.
1: Yeah. And with Brady, like the interesting thing, you know, a lot of guys that really get the ball out quick. Like you think back to Ben last year, you think of Drew Brees at the end of their career. And so Tom Brady, you look at his average time to throw over the last three seasons, 2.61, 2.41 and 2.34 seconds. That's getting out really quick. Like 2.50 is kind of the benchmark, like where we want to split things, right? As being over or under. And Brady, you know, despite always being under that, you know, his dot is still, is a is still really high for how it's quickly bonkers. he gets the ball yeah. out 8.4 9.6 8.0 8.3 9.5 so this is a guy that gets the ball out quick but still delivers the ball to the intermediate and deep areas of the field in fact if you look at him over the last couple of seasons you know you look at his short passing so those are passes within one to nine yards they've gone down because he's adapted to where he's at in new england it was 47 percent, then went to 44 percent, then went to 43 percent, and his you know 44 and 43% in his 2 years with Tampa Bay then you look at what went up the the throws in the 10 to 19 uh probably you know honey hole ian honey hole throws went up you know 22% 23% where they had only been 20% you know in New England so he's a guy that knows how to adapt to the talent that he has he can still get the ball out quick you know you're it's really hard to sack him really hard to force fumbles you know via sacks hard to get turnovers doesn't throw picks you know i mean i think everything you know is really there like the only thing where you know he doesn't quite do it as much as he used to but he was never huge on being a deep ball thrower right he was never one of these guys that was like at 15 16 17% of his passes going 20 yards or more like 11% last year 15% the year before 10% but he's really good on those like his deep passing grades are elite 97.7 you know that's that's Jeez. green on the christmas tree Ian. 94.2 <laughs> the year before and even the year before that with the, with the patriots with no one no one to really throw the ball to that was a deep threat, 92.5. So, and it's just, it, it looks like that way, like all the way back to like 2015. So Brady, you know, he's just a complete player. Um, and he, he's just anything that he, again, that he may have lost in any sort of ability. He's just making up for it at this point point in other ways. And, you know, just surrounded with elite talent. So um, look, he's just a, he's just a smash, you know, quarterback. You look at his fantasy points per drop back over the last two seasons, 0.55. 0. 0.52, where when he was in, with New England, 0. 0.42 the year before. So like you've you've clearly seen like you give him weapons, um, you let him do his thing, and he's going to give you more fantasy points per dropback. So I, I I can't find a thing to not like about Brady. You know, and the ADP is also good.
0: And the only time we saw him, like, okay, he wasn't that good down the stretch last year, at least in terms of counting numbers. Two or fewer touchdown passes in eight of his final 11 games, including the playoffs. But you start looking at what he was dealing with by the end of the season. In the first round of the playoffs, he had Mike Evans and Gronk. After that, we're talking about Tyler Johnson, Brashad Perryman, Scotty Miller, Jalen Jalen Darden. We had no... Granson out there, whatever the hell that guy's name was. He was making plays. I don't mean to dismiss him. I just honestly can't remember the man's Cyril name. Cyril Grayson. I, there we go. My bad. My bad, everyone. I need to brush up on the wide receiver. That's, that's why we're a team. This, That's why we're a team. Amen to that. But Dwayne, one of the things, my teammate that I love, you've said, um, Especially this offseason was, you know, making fun. What really pisses you off is how little plays the Seahawks consistently run. And I think you brought up the point how, like, the Bills, literally because of how fast they move, they had like an entire extra games worth of plays over Two what games. the Seahawks were doing. Two games, <laughs> my God. That's like what we're looking at with Brady in these pass attempts. I mean, he yes. had seven hundred nineteen pass attempts last year. That's forty seven more than the next closest passer. Only eight quarterbacks surpassed six hundred pass attempts. So Brady, like, yeah, we don't have that rushing floor, but my God. He's got almost a full two games of pass attempts worth it ahead of these other guys. So, with all that said, these are the only guys I'm ranking ahead of Tom Brady: Josh Allen, Kyler Murray, Justin Herbert, Patrick Mahomes, Lamar Jackson, and Jalen Hurts. That's it. Dwayne, agree? Higher? Lower?
1: Yeah, we're the same. I've got uh, go. Allen, Murray, Jackson, Herbert, Mahomes, and Hurts. Those are the same ones you just said, right? Yep. Um, so, yeah, I've got him at QB seven. I'm taking him over Joe Burrow. Why? Because I know that the Buccaneers' identity is to throw the ball. We're hoping that the Bengals take a step forward, um, you know, under Zach Taylor and decide that they want to become more like what we saw at the end of last year. But there's no guarantee that that happens. I think you can definitely argue that the Bengals, you know, at this point, they rival what Tom Brady has, you know, as far as the passing options. So I get it with Burrow, and Burrow's younger, but it's not like Burrow gives you any upside via his legs. You know, so, you know, he and Brady are almost, you know, the same in that way. And Brady, you know, is the king of get the ball down to the one yard line, you know, quickly huddle up. And you could you could sneak out three or four rushing touchdowns from Tom Brady just by him being, you know, thinking quick on his feet versus the other team and being prepared. So, yeah, I just don't see a way to take any of the other quarterbacks above him. And I've got Burrow one spot behind.
0: Let's move on to running back. We got Leonard Fournette, Rashad White, Giovanni Bernard and Keyshawn Vaughn making up this backfield. Sure as hell, it looks like Leonard Fournette is going to be the leader. Follow that money. Just 12 running backs right now have a contract worth at least $20 million. Sorry Cowboys fans. Zico Elliott's still number one at $90 million. After that, we got Kamara, McCaffrey, Dalvin Cook, Derrick Henry, Aaron Jones, Joe Mixon, Nick Chubb, Saquon Barkley, Austin Eckler, and the two new members of the club, James Conner and Leonard Fournette. Obviously a bit of a Gap between 21 and 90 million. But look, all of these backs we're talking about are featured backs that are really the workhorses of their offense. I would not expect that to be any different for Leonard Fournette this year. Why would it be? Listen, don't take my word for it. Listen to Byron freaking Leftwich the play caller. This was a quote from him earlier this offseason. Why it's tough to get Lenny off the field, he's a three-down back. He's a smart guy, and he and Tom can play ball. They can play ball together, and when it starts moving on them and things are changing and things have to happen, Lenny and him can play ball. They've been in these situations. That's why it's hard to really get him off the field because of what he brings and the connection him and Tom have. I think it's unique. It's not not that we're forcing him on that field. It's because he's the best in what we're asking him to do. We're looking at the reigning RB4 and PPR points per game. The reigning RB4 and expected PPR points per game. Only Christian freaking McCaffrey had more receptions per game last year than Leonard Fournette. Like, yeah, it sucks that Fournette got hurt at the end of the season with that hamstring issue. But, Dwayne, what is the red flag of Fournette other than him not being, like, the most elite talent? Because the workload, the offense, like, I'm imagining your Christmas tree right now. It's not going to be red where we're talking about his talent. Maybe it's, like, yellow, but everything else is green, man.
1: Yeah, I mean that's it. Um, like it, it talent, like he's basically at replacement level, you know. But, sure. but that's just looking at you know yards after contact. That's looking at explosive, you know, rush rate, which is ten plus yards. That's looking at you know missed tackles force. But at the end of the day, when you're just looking at can he pile up yardage, we've already seen the answer to that, you know, in this off in this offense. You know, he's, he still has the former first round draft capital, high first round pick. He obviously just got paid, which matters even more than that. And what Left leftwich said, like we saw that come. To fruition last year, Fournette just eventually just took over the entire backfield, um, including the passing down work. So I know there's some concern with folks. We'll talk about Rashad White, you know, in a second, that he could start to peck away at some of um you know the receiving duties. And I I think that's possible, but I think with Fournette, even when you look at it, like let's say he ends up being a a 60 to 65% snap, you know, type player in this offense and not you know, a 70 or 80 percent like what we saw for stretches last year whenever some of the other guys were hurt, you're still going to get, you know, an RB1. Like he's still going to be an RB1 even in that scenario. And if for some reason, say Rashad White's not ready for prime time, which happens a lot with Brady, you know, wherever you bring these guys in, if he can't do his job, if he can't pick up, you know, pass protection, all those sort of things, like Brady's not going to have him out there. Right, and so that's in the range of outcomes. And if that happens, and Fournette's out there, seventy-five to eighty percent of the time in this offense, like he could be the number one running back overall. You mentioned he was already number four in points per game last season. So I mean, it's just it's 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 tough to find a way to push Fournette down the board. Like I try to be careful with him because he is, you know, he kind of in one way he fits the dead zone profile just because he's not really he's not much better than really any other back on some of these underlying metrics. But look, the team loves him. Tom Brady loves him. He's still well under the fifteen hundred carry threshold that we carry that we care about. He'll be twenty seven point seven years old this year, so I mean he's getting up there, but I think he's still good. to At least have one more year. I think at this time next year our conversation could change a little bit, right? Because we'll be going into almost his age twenty nine season. He'll be close to that fifteen hundred touch mark, and we'll we'll have to see what his peripherals look like at that point. But for this year, I mean. You know, look, we've talked about Fournette so much on this podcast. Like (laughs) we were spoiled. (laughs) We were getting in the fourth round. Now he's a second round pick. He's a mid second. He's a mid second round pick. Now
0: he has room for like, okay. If that 60, 65% snap scenario comes to fruition, like he had 249 touches last year, he only scored 10 touchdowns. I mean, that's good, but would we be that shocked if the workhorse running oh, he could back easily scored Rick-
1: 15 in the Hell,
0: 20. Eckler had 20 play. touchdowns last year on 26 more touches, and you know, yeah, Eckler really outperformed that. And Eckler's, I think, better than Fournette, so that's that's fine. But really, even if Rashad White gets some of that pass down work, which I would not say is a certainty at all. Fournette as the primary running back in the league's reigning number two ranked scoring offense and possible to get off. He is my RB six. The only guys I'm taking ahead, Jonathan Taylor, Christian McCaffrey, Derek Henry, Najee Harris, and Austin Eckler. And yeah, Dwayne, I'm pulling that trigger on him almost every single time in the mid to late stages of round two. You do have him a few spots lower, correct?
1: Yeah, I have him a few spots lower, but like I'm still getting him where I have him. Um, you're gonna get him plenty, you know, still at ADP. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I I don't have him as quite as high as you, but I still have him right at like my top ten. So, and, and I love him. Like I I totally acknowledge like he could finish as the RB one overall overall as well. So. Um, I'm also just trying to keep folks from like getting way over excited about him. Like don't take him in your first round. You don't have to. Take him take him take him in the early second, right, if you want. Like I doesn't mean you don't take him um unless he's right at ADP. I'm fine taking Fournette in the early second round because of the potential for that every down roll in this very specific offense. Um, you know, I think that just gives him so much upside that we're not that, you know, keeps him in that range for me. Whereas like you know some of these other guys that we've seen in the past that you know we're just, we're just projecting really big volume for them, like they're not always on a, a team that is as, yeah. elite, as elite, right, as what we see with the Buccaneers, and so that gives him some immense upside.
0: We got Giovanni Bernard back. Only twice last year did he see more than three targets in a game. One of those was in the playoffs when Fournette um, wasn't even out there, I believe. So looking at Gio coming back, I think it's more like Rashad White could maybe replace Gio's small role without even having that much more. Because, Dwayne, as we used to go through all the matchups, as we do during, you know, every single week of the end season uh, PFF fantasy football experience. Like, before Giovanni Bernard got hurt, like Fournette had taken his job anyway. It wasn't a matter of like Giovanni Bernard. It wasn't a, uh, you know, J.D. McKissick situation where, oh, hey, all of a sudden Fournette was getting force-fed targets after this. Fournette was the number one running back in the NFL in total receptions before he got hurt. And that was with him getting hurt about the same time that Giovanni Bernard did. So, really didn't impact it. Bigger question is what to make of White's role. So, quickly, this is what PFF said about the Buccaneers' third-round pick in our 2022 NFL Draft Guide where he wins, space play. White wins with the ball in space. The good news is it's very easy to get it to him there because he has some of the best receiving ability in the draft class. What's his role? Third down running back wide receiver convert. White is a change of pace or receiving back early on in his career. He may even be a sneaky candidate to switch to wide receiver full time, but you don't see a lot of that where he can improve discipline running. White needs more rest with some discipline instilled into his running style. He's going to miss a lot of holes between the tackles and the league without it. So the big thing jumps out here, Dwayne, is we have a plus receiver. We have the definite of a theoretical three down back. Giovanni Bernard's not taking over that full time role. If Fornette gets hurt, maybe Keyshawn Vaughn has some more familiar, familiarity. But man, Rashad White in that RB4 range, I think he has a ton of untapped upside. I am fine throwing darts at him. When he's going, again, I think he's the RB42 underdog right now. I have him like RB45, but I am fine with him in that range.
1: Yeah, he's around 10. 10- player right now you know in a 12 teamer like I, I know sometimes we throw out these ADPs but you know, so I mean he's right there in that range where you know there are some young upside receivers you may still like you know like a Chase Claypool Rondell Moore um, like he's priced appropriately to me like, because you're, you know, if something does happen to Leonard Fournette, there's no guarantee that it's Rashad White, right? Again, it could come back to him being a rookie, not being ready. And Tom Brady may just be like, no, miss me with that, right? We're going to go in a different direction. Like, that's possible. Look, look
0: no further than Keyshawn Vaughn.
1: I mean, <laughs> exactly. But Rashad White's profile as a, col- as a collegiate player is so much better than what Keyshawn Vaughn's was. Keyshawn Vaughn was a complete head scratcher when they took him where they did Rashad white, you know, he went about where we thought he would go in the draft, but man, I I know he was a Juco guy early. And so it kind of inflates some of his career numbers, but I mean, his career yards per game, um you know once he transferred from juco 134 uh per game like is by far like it's 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 you know it's Brees hall-esque right Brees hall we're going to give the nod because you know he was doing he was playing you know for uh, iowa state as a freshman and so his career yards per game like counts you know more in my mind because it's over a longer sample at 129 but rashad white did absolutely have a blow up you know uh into his career in college and it was one that was disrupted you know once he got over once he left you know juco it was it was interrupted by covid so it's not like he could control everything right that went on with uh, you know how his career ended up you know playing out but in that last season where it really counted like he really came through and, and absolutely like as far as being you know a receiving option out of the backfield like he was the best in this class and so and if he can if he can even lock down some of that work you know, or if if they see that he can play in that kind of role, and if you get Leonard Fournette going down, then that means he's an every down option, um, which you know w- was never the case with Ronald Jones. We knew with Ronald Jones, even if Leonard Fournette went down, they were probably going to find a way to get someone else in the passing game. There is a chance with Rashad White that because he is so good in the passing game. One that can be his ticket to getting on the field, you know, sooner than we think. But number two, if they like him and fournette goes down, he has that opportunity to be a three-down back. And what we just talked about being an amazing offense. So, like, if that happened in that scenario, he would immediately he would be a top twelve back in our ranks every week if that scenario played out. And that's that. What's that's what makes Rashad White worth taking in the tenth and eleventh round of a twelve-team draft taking a quick break to help pay
0: some bills. Want to know this podcast is sponsored by FanDraft. Are you holding an in-person fantasy football draft party this year? Then you need to check out FanDraft.com. FanDraft is a modern, digitalized version of those old sticker boards we used to use at our drafts. However, unlike those outdated sticker boards, FanDraft makes your fantasy draft feel like the actual NFL draft for features such as custom logos, draft clock, team walk-up songs, a streaming news ticker, and much more. And that's all great, but any of you that have ever used those outdated sticker boards, I still have one league where we like to get it. It becomes a problem if you know you're in a 12 team league and one of your league mates is not able to attend whatever their reason might be whatever just bogus reason that they can't you know come to grips with to come get to your fantasy draft. FanDrafts helps you out because they run your league's draft board from the FanDraft.com website, and then you export your display onto a large screen TV for the league to enjoy. So if you're there at the draft, you're getting your usual draft board sticker experience, but it can also be used fully online and any number of your league owners can join the draft remotely. So you don't have to worry about FaceTiming people and explaining them all the picks that have happened. You're trying to get drunk at the pool and pick some fantasy players. You don't need, you know, Joe Schmo trying to stunt your style with that and annoying you with one phone call after another. So sign up for a free trial account at Fandraft.com when you're ready to order the pro account. Make sure to use promo code PFF to save 15% off your purchase. Again, that's Fandraft.com with code PFF also want to note that the best place to play fantasy football this summer is Underdog Fantasy. Man, at this rate, you know, I think it's like Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday night. I'm doing streams with the, uh, you know, fellow folks around the world. Dwayne, I mean, not around the world, around the country. Let's not get too crazy there, Ian. But Dwayne on Wednesdays, got some uh, 4-for-4 friends on Thursdays, and then other PFF folks, including Dwayne, Nathan Yonke, and Kevin Cole on Tuesdays, always doing it over at Underdog Fantasy, trying to take down that Best Ball Mania tournament with $10 million in total prize money. Or the Pupp you go get that 75k for first place only costs $5 to enter right now so What Underdog is going to do for you is double your first deposit up to $100 when you sign up with the promo code PFF. And if you play just 10 of those dollars using promo code PFF, you get a free PFF subscription. Again, deposit up to $100 and they'll match promo code PFF and just play 10 of those dollars. I don't know why you wouldn't. Like, why would you deposit $100 and then not play $10? Doesn't add up to me. Again, use promo code PFF and you'll get that free PFF subscription. So, what are you waiting for? Head on over to UnderdogFantasy.com or the App Store, play $10 with code. PFF and draft your best ball mania team today. Dwayne, I wrote up my Tampa Bay team preview this morning. I didn't change Brady. I didn't change Fournette. I already had him QB 7, RB 6. I was already very high in them. I wrote about him. I still am. I'm higher on Mike Evans. Wide receiver 7, man. What are we missing here with Mike Evans? We have the Chris Goblin ACL injury that, hey, maybe he is back by week 1. Dr. Jesse Morse did say it's possible that he's going to be able to make it, but He got the bag, three-year, $60 million extension, $40 million guaranteed. Look at the NFC South these days, man. I'm not giving up on the Jameis experience in New Orleans, but Carolina and Atlanta objectively look like two of the worst teams in the league. Tampa Bay is playing for January and February. There is no need for them to rush Chris Godwin along. And then when you start looking at the one problem Evans has had that you hinted at earlier, it's just the lack of elite volume. I mean, he has gone nowhere in terms of being one of the best wide receivers in the NFL with Tom Brady. The only difference is he was averaging 9.3 targets per game with Jameis Winston as his primary quarterback from 2014 and 2019, just seven targets per game with Tom Brady. But when Brady has targeted Evans over the past two years 126.2 QB rating third highest mark among 78 qualified receivers so with Evans man we've seen the floor over the past two years wide receiver 10 and wide receiver 16 and PPR points per game you'll get the uh Jordan Howard-esque kind of rushing receiving line. sometimes. You know, two catches, two yards, one touchdown. You got to kind of live with that a little bit. But my God, man, if we're going to get potentially a chunk of this season without Chris Goblin readily available, the ceiling is the freaking moon for Mike Evans in this offense. And that's not even considering A.B. being out of the picture. Eight games with Tom Brady and without Chris Goblin, He scored every single time, man. Like the worst game that Evans has put forward without Chris Goblin on the field was five catches, 41 yards, and a touchdown. Nine touchdowns in eight games without Chris Goblin. So looking at those, I mean, he was able to catch at least seven passes in five of those games. It makes sense that Brady is not going to be throwing the ball to the Tyler Johnsons, the Jalen Dardens of the world. When he doesn't have uh, Goblin out there, he's going to feature even more onto Mike Evans. So for me, Obviously, Cooper Cup, Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase, Stephon Diggs, CeeDee Lamb, and Devontae Adams. I think they all earned a nod over Evans. But, man, Dwayne, in terms of volume, I think... Tyreek, Keenan, Debo, T. Higgins, and A.J. Brown, maybe you can make an argument that they have a slightly higher target ceiling than Mike Evans based on what we've seen, and maybe if Goblin comes back. But, man, I just feel like having Brady under center, we have a guy in Evans that's only missed seven games in eight uh, you know, eight career seasons. I know he's getting a little bit older, but he's going to be 29 by week one, maybe still only twenty eight. I just think that the floor with Evans combined with this ceiling induced by the goblin injury, it makes him someone that I think we should be getting ahead of expectation on. So he is moving up over underdog. He is now coming in as the wide receiver eight. And I want him, Dwayne. I want Mike Evans over these guys that have more competition or more questions under center. Why not take Tom Brady's number one pass game option? What are we missing here?
1: Yeah, I think that's the question. You know, I mean, I have, you know, I have him as a tier two wide receiver. um, And I think, yeah, he is in a great offense, but there are also, I'm scared of Mike Evans in the second round, to be honest. Like, just because if you look at his profile, well, first let's start with the positives. Just like what you mentioned, you know, when Godwin was out, you know last season like it was really it's it was undeniably like really good you know for Evans um he registered a 23% target share and PPR performances of 14.7 26.9 26.7 and 25.9 points that includes the playoffs let me say that again 26.9 yeah come on, 26.7 man. 25.6 it. yeah so it's like nearly 30 points a game we do know that Godwin can miss, you know early part of the season you got antonio brown gone although it didn't antonio brown in the games he missed last year it didn't do anything for evans where evans caught fire was when godwin was the guy that was out now having said that like they moved they moved Evans around. They did some different things with him. They changed up his route tree. So what's going to happen, you know, with Godwin early in the season? I don't know what's going to happen with Russell Gage coming in. You know, I'm not sure. Here's the big thing for me with it, with Evans. He will be 29.1, you know, at the beginning of the year, yards per route run have gone down from 2.30 to 1.79 to 1.65 targets per route run 23 to 19% and to 18%. And so, you I know, feel like it's unfair I, to include the Jameis year in there. Oh, why?
0: Because Jameis was a batshit crazy quarterback that was feeding Evans like he was throwing the ball freaking. Well, either
1: way. Fine. You can leave that out. But yeah. th- here's the problem. Like these underlying data points are so like one point six five uh, is equivalent to what a wide receiver five norm- normally does. He did that last year with Brady. His 18 percent targets per route run is, is the equivalent of what a wide receiver six normally does. Um, The year before his targets per route run 19% with Brady is the equivalent of what a wide receiver four normally does his one is 1.79 yards per route run. The equivalent of what a wide receiver three usually does. So even though he's finished as a number two and number one receiver over the last two years and, and, oh, sorry, a wide receiver two and a wide receiver one over the last two seasons um you know his underlying data like suggests like he's not where he was like he's had a big fall off from where he was in year 5 and year 6 where his yards per route run were like over 2.3 in both of those seasons uh targets per route run were at least at the wide receiver 2 level even his pff receiving grade like it's just fall it, it's not terrible but it's fallen below like what we're paying for him in fantasy so while yes i do love the offense for Evans here's my thought on him he's gonna blow up out of the gate you know Russell Gage is gonna blow up out of the gate um but the problem is like once Godwin's back and Godwin's healthy when you're trying to win your championship game um you know and you're trying to really make noise you know down the stretch like it's gonna Mike Evans is gonna tell off most likely at the end of the season so um I'm fine with taking him in managed leagues. if you want to take him early um and then you, you look you could potentially trade Mike Evans after week four and get Name your price, anything that you want, you know, or you just keep him. But at the end of the day, I think what you're going to get by the end of the season is more like a mid-wide receiver two to low-end wide receiver two. What you're going to get for the first however many months of the season is you're going to get an elite wide receiver one. So you just I think you just need to know that going in. Like, his, he is starting to deteriorate, and we don't typically see guys, once they do this, it's not that it never happens because it, it can occasionally happen. But typically, once we see guys start down this path, like it doesn't come back. Um, it just really doesn't. Um, so again, like I don't want to say never. I, I want never want to say never. Like with a guy like Mike Evans, but um, I love the offense. That's what pushes him up. Here's the other thing pushing him up boards is all the all the players below them. You know, all the players like DK Metcalf, Deontay Johnson, um, DJ Moore. All these guys where we know they have major offensive questions, right? So that's pushed. That's already pushed Mike Evans up the board. And now I feel like I was fine with him in 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 the third round. Now I've got to take him in the second round, and I'm just not as excited about it. Like, so I, I'm probably not going to have a lot of Mike Evans exposure, but I don't think it's going to kill me. I think it's going to look bad early in the season, but by the time the whole season settles out, I would prefer to have T. Higgins over Mike Evans,
0: even though Higgins has far more target competition. I mean, well, I think Mike Evans, is gonna, Mike
1: Evans is going to have just as much by the time we get you know to the end of the season. T. Higgins, though like his profile is ascending. Mike Evans is descending. I, I pretty much make it that simple, um, you know, because I like both of the offenses. I clearly like the Bucs a little better than like, what what Tyree like you know, the, the Bengals. I'm still taking Tyree kill over Mike Evans. I'm taking Debo Samuel over Mike Evans. They're, they're still in their prime years, But again, I get, look, I have them all as wide receiver twos. I give you flavors of wide receiver twos, right? I give you two A's, two B's, two C's. My two B's, appropriately named for the B, are the boomers, right? It's Mike Evans, it's Keenan Allen. They've got profiles that are descending every single year for the last three years, they're getting older. But they're in good offenses. They have great quarterbacks. Nobody's going to argue. Justin Herbert's a beast. Tom Brady's a beast. They are both pass-heavy offenses. So those are the things that move them up the board for me. But now we're getting into that range where I think people are overdoing it. It's kind of like... you know, we've seen this kind of thing, you know, happen in the past. It's not a perfect example, but even like last year in week one, right? The drafts that happened after Thursday night football and everybody went nuts about Amari Cooper with Michael Gallup going down. And people started drafting Amari Cooper in the first round um, in the in the next three days of drafting, which I thought was terrible. Like, why would you do that? Yes. Amari Cooper is going be to be better while Michael, Michael Gallup's out, but Gallup is going to eventually be back. You still got CD Lamb. It's the same kind of thing for me here because I really do like Russell Gage. I really think that Gronk's going to be back, and eventually Godwin will be back. And Evans with Godwin is very different than Evans without Godwin. So I think it will be the tale of two seasons. I think Mike Evans will really be good, but he's just getting to the point now where I'm – I'm like, I could have had him the other night, you know, in a draft, Um, not the hard way draft, but in another one. And I mean, I've, I've passed him multiple times now, um, just because of how high people are willing to take him. I shouldn't say I'm passing him. He's just going off the before off the board, like so early. It's like, I don't even have to really worry about it. If he's in the third round, that's where I'll get my exposure, but I'm not going to force it.
0: I just think we need to redraft
1: the, <laughs> the long pause from. Well, Ian.
0: I mean, Tyreek Hill is a year younger. He's coming off career low marks and pretty much every efficiency measure over the past five years. He's about to play with a quarterback. that Nothing has like many, Evans
1: though. He's still, he's still hitting. Sorry. Tua has,
0: Tua has 27 passing touchdowns over the past two years. Mike Evans has 27 receiving touchdowns over the past two years. Like, yeah, if I was starting a franchise, of course I'm taking Tyreek and Debo over Mike Evans, but Like we have look at Allen Robinson. We have seen more than enough examples of a quarterback or a scheme really pushing down great receivers still. And I think Tyreek and Debo with those question marks with Tua and Trey Lance, to me, like why even take that chance, man? What's Again, the worst case, like you said, if Goblin comes back, Evans is going to be like a mid-tier wide receiver too. Like... What if Tua just still isn't any good and Tyreek is forced to now split targets with Jalen Waddle, one of the league's worst offenses? What if Debo is now the number two, number three pass game option in a run-heavy Trey Lance offense? Keenan Allen, I hear you. He's in the same tier. Higgins, we're both high on anyway. But I just, man, I really think Evans deserves to be a tier above that mess of wide receiver twos because with those guys, we're... And I understand that Evans might have similar target share numbers. But again, when we take that into the context of the Buccaneers throwing the absolute piss out of the ball, I'll take 18% target share in the Buccaneers offense over 23 with Jalen Hurts throwing the ball. So I just think he deserves But again, to-
1: that's, that's the only thing pushing him into this tier for me. Like, so if I'm at this level in the draft, like, look, with Tyreek Hill, like, Okay, over the last uh, two seasons, he's been a wide receiver one, but his underlying data points also say he's a wide receiver one. Like, he's not deteriorating yet. And so, like, could it happen this year? Yeah, it could happen. But, I mean, we haven't seen it, you know, with Tyreek Hill. So, I'm going to keep Tyreek Hill slightly above Mike Evans. I get why people want to put Evans above. I just think that it's gotten too far now. I think we're way too into projection season, where we're we're overrating Chris Godwin being gone for the first few games and that's pushing Mike Evans too high. I agree that he should go above all the guys that have huge question marks in their offense. Um, But I I don't consider, you know, with where Tyreek Hill's talent, you know, where his talent is at, where A.J. Brown's talent is at. Like, I still would rather go ahead and bet on the talent because all sorts of shit happens once the season starts. Like, who knows? Does Jalen Waddle get hurt? I don't know. Does Mike Evans get hurt? Does Tyreek Hill get hurt? Like, so... Do the quarterbacks get hurt? I, I don't know, so it's like I'm gonna, I'm still gonna lean to the talent and the slightly younger player in those scenarios. It is really close, like, but I, I just can't make myself force Mike Evans up anymore just because I'm looking at you know a few game splits without Chris Godwin. Like it's just, it's too much for me.
0: Again, though, wide receiver ten, wide receiver sixteen. Like I think we're maybe overstating the talent gap between these guys. Last year, Mike Evans was the number 11 wide receiver in PPR points per game. That was with Chris Goblin playing, what, 13 games? Like... The difference between those guys, yeah, Jalen Waddle and these other guys can get hurt. Chris Godwin is already hurt. So for me, it's just like the cherry on top of a guy that we got to be feeling pretty good about on the squad in the first place. But you know what, Dwayne? You have your opinion. I don't have mine. The listeners out there can make up their mind if they want to be overly high or low on Mr. Mike Evans. I want to be high on all these wide receivers, and that kind of was my takeaway after going through it. Even Chris Godwin, who has slept all the way to wide receiver 26 ADP over at Underdog Fantasy goblin would be our number one buccaneers receiver if there was absolutely no injury concern it's just a fact based on what he was able to do last year wide receiver six and ppr points per game wide receiver eight and expected unfortunately that week 15 acl tear making things a little bit problematic for us
1: where would you where would you be taking mike evans if chris godwin was healthy Uh, last year he was a fourth round wide receiver which i thought was appropriate and i had exposure like, that's what I think he is. So, I was willing to pay a third. I'd if, have Evans if,
0: wide receiver 13, probably.
1: Okay. Yeah. So, I, I, I feel like, you know, we're just, look, he's, he's fine. But, yeah, with, with Godwin, it's better to wait. Don't draft him right now. He, he has a good shot to land on the pup. I don't, I don't, I think his ADP is actually going to go down further. And I love him. I want exposure to him as well. But I think if you are drafting today, um, I think your price on Godwin is going to be less in a month from now. Like as more people realize that, wow, it could take time, you know, for him to come back. It's just now hitting the market, right? People have had Godwin too high, too confident, you know, over his injury um, versus where it's probably going to end up by the time that drafts are really in full swing.
0: To be fair, from Dr. Jesse Morse, he noted uh, back in April that Godwin quote-unquote, should be ready for week one. Gallup and OBJ likely won't be ready until October and November, respectively. Um, Again, per head coach Todd Bowles, Goblin's timetable. Better than where he was, but not where he needs to be. We don't put a timetable on it. They've been consistently saying that throughout the offseason. Again, why would they put a timetable on it? Maybe the PUP is, you know, a possibility. With that said, Dwayne, what's the PUP? Three? Is it six games? That seems a little aggressive. I they still have that they still have the short term IR right. I think they might. Have I don't think it's going to take
1: pup for his ADP to fall. If pup hits, his ADP is going to drop like two rounds. It's
0: going to crater. But... But, but yeah,
1: so that is in the range of outcomes. I think mostly what it's going to be, it's going to be oh, we don't expect Chris Godwin to really be Chris Godwin until like week eight of the season. Meaning he could start the season, but the news is going to be right that just don't expect him to be itself. And so you you just know how the news cycles. I, I think pretty much any news cycle that we get into, other than all of a sudden Chris Godwin's there on day one of camp and running 100% of the reps, right? That would obviously move Chris Godwin's ADP up. I just don't think that that's the likely scenario. I think you're going to continue to hear them be vague about it. He's probably not going to practice all the time. He may not even practice, you know, until closer to the season. Any kind of news like that is going to help push Godwin down where we can just continue to get, um, you know, a a better discount. And at that point, like, I'll really be excited about Godwin. I I like him now, and I'm getting some exposure now. I'm just... I'm more excited about drafting him here in the next, you know, six weeks.
0: He definitely has to go after that kind of kind of gross, but we know they're all good players that (laughs) wide receiver two tier for me. I have Judy. I have Sutton wide receiver 21, Judy wide receiver 22 Then I have Goblin ahead of Amari Cooper and then more established number two options like Gabriel Davis, Bateman, Adam Thielen, Allen Robinson. I'm not against maybe moving some of the younger guys up, but for me, like I will take on a little bit of that injury risk with Chris Goblin over guys like Adam Thielen, like Allen Robinson, Brandon Cooks, uh, older veterans that, you know, don't necessarily have that big of a target uh, difference, I think, with them. And Goblin, in my opinion, is the better receiver when healthy at this point in his career. So Again, I just want to try to stay ahead. Let's get Tom Brady's wide receivers on the freaking squad. They're going to be putting up points as soon as they're out there. Uh, Unlike
1: Evans, like Chris Godwin actually profiles as a high-end wide receiver two or wide receiver one. So like, I I really want my exposure like to Godwin, like to your point, if Mike Evans or sorry, if Chris Godwin wasn't hurt, uh, he would be in my top 10. Like I would have no problem having Chris Godwin in my top 10. And that would probably push Mike Evans down to like 18 or 19. How come touchdowns
0: don't matter for Evans talent? football no, touchdown points t- t- touchdowns a
1: random- do two touchdowns do matter. I mean, and I've got him in there and look, his target, his touchdowns per route run last year were 2.2%. Like the only guy better was uh, like funny enough, Deandre Hopkins at 2.5%. DK Metcalf at 2.4%. But the big thing for Evans, like why he comes through so much on touchdowns is the fact that he's targeted over 30% of the time in the end zone. He owns over 30% of the team's targets in the end zone over the last two years, which is elite. So, Like, that's what, that's another thing that's actually, it's not that it doesn't matter. That's all part of why I actually have Evans at 13 right now. Like, it was, you know, everything else, like, about his, like, his situation screams great. He gets used inside, you know, the red zone. Great quarterback, great offense, but underlying talent, like, is definitely on the down, it's on the downturn.
0: Okay. With. Mr. Russell Gage, wide receiver three, maybe the wide receiver two to start depending on Chris Goblin. You know, we've gone through. We talked about Christian Kirk and the Jaguars and how the history of players changing teams and free agency usually isn't all that kind, regardless of position. With that said, Bucks gave Gage that three-year, $30 million deal. And just based on what he was able to do last year, I mean, Dwayne, I was so excited yesterday because we made fun of Gage a lot last year. Not for his play. I mean, again, Contested catches, route running ability, even some yak goodness. He was really doing it all on a Falcons team that needed him to be that guy uh, based on a lot of the injuries and just lack of talent they kind of had out there for most of the season, but the man could not hurdle. He tried it twice early on in the year, and he just got completely rejected. Like Basically, it was as bad as when you're just trying to hit a hurdle on Madden it continues to not work, and the guy's getting thrown, but he got it. Week 18, you might have not been watching the Falcons, but Russell Gage hurdled another grown man. Keep on trying, everyone. Keep hitting that triangle button. Maybe one day it'll work for you, just like it did Russell Gage. But hey, Buccaneers wide receivers last two years, they're fifth in total targets and they are third in total route runs. Russell Gage is going to be in three wide receiver sets. That three-year $30 million deal basically guarantees that. I mean, Dwayne, for me, looking at his wide receiver 44 ADP, that seems like about where we would rank him if we had a healthy Evans and Goblin on the table. I think he'd still be someone that could certainly flirt with upside wide receiver three ability depending on how much Brady's targeting him, how Gage is performing in this environment. But the fact we have that, extra potential for him to just eat in the early parts of the season. I bumped him up to my wide receiver 39 and I will happily scoop him up in round eight or nine of best ball dress.
1: Yeah. So Russell Gage is a player that I'm targeting like heavily. Like I'm going to have a lot more of him than I have Evans and it's all to do with the costs, not necessarily the player, like the profile and the costs all come together, but Gage targets per route run last year against man coverage, 35%. And who did Tom Brady look to last year on, you know, the Buccaneers, it was Antonio Brown who's gonna run. Not saying Gage is Antonio Brown, but that's gonna be the route tree that he's gonna operate from. It's gonna be the short, intermediate timing type routes, working underneath a lot of the stuff that honestly, like Evans, just doesn't get. Like when everybody's healthy, you know, and that's part of the the thing with Evans' profile is he gets pushed into just being more the downfield guy when he can still do some of the other things. And so with Gage, yeah, getting him in the ninth, tenth round, like to me, is um, complete money. He's a much better player than what people think. Um, like he he is ascending, like he is on the right. He is on the opposite path. Like whenever you look at, you know, his career and what he's been able to do, he was definitely, he's definitely a late bloomer. He doesn't have a lot of draft capital either, but what, what he's done over the last two seasons, like if you pull, I'm pulling him up right now, but like he finished as a wide receiver four in year three, but his PFF receiving grade was worthy of a wide receiver three. His targets per route run were also worthy of a wide receiver three last year. He also finished as a wide receiver four in PPR scoring 167 points, but his PFF receiving grade wide receiver two level targets per route run wide receiver two yards per route run wide receiver two. So this is a player that actually his fantasy um, points have not caught up yet with what he's capable of doing. And I think that Brady, will completely unlock that. I won't be surprised, honestly, if Russell Gage outscores Mike Evans like in the first six weeks. Like, it could happen. I am I would totally put my chip on Mike Evans. Like, if you ask me which one to pick from, I mean, a lot of it goes back to what you mentioned with the touchdowns. Mike Evans is very elite, you know, in that area. But... Ian, my bet is Russell Gage is a high-end wide receiver, too, for the first five to six weeks of the season. Um, We'll see what happens once Chris Godwin comes back, you know, and he's fully healthy. You know, he could Godwin could be playing out of the gate, right? But we know that he's not going to be fully ready until somewhere, you know, probably after a month or two of the season. And so at that point, then Gage could go down. But, again, you're getting to spend a ninth or a tenth-round pick on him. You're not having to spend a second-round pick.
0: I guess the question is going to be like, who is going to start getting, I mean, Chris Goblin would just feast on a lot of those targets, you know, within one yard of the line of scrimmage. I like like calling them the Deontay Johnson screens, like where just don't even move. Here's the ball and I'll go run with it. And Gage maybe will take those over. Maybe Evans does. I guess that's kind of where our disconnect is here with Evans. Like, I think he can still do all those other underneath things. But as you said, he's kind of been pigeonholed into being a field stretcher. So maybe Gage does take Goblin's role and Evans is kind of a borderline wide receiver one and Gage is an upside side wide receiver too, or maybe we're looking at Evans getting 10 plus targets per game and just absolutely feasting like the big baller that he has been throughout his entire career. So either way, the fact that is engages potential range of outcomes makes him a complete value in that wide receiver four range and, you know, him and Tyler Boyd and, you know, to a lesser extent, Jalen Tolbert. It's just, I, I love these receivers that can give you nice standalone flex value and they're one injury away which, you know, we're already dealing with here with Chris Godwin from having so much more. So all the Russell gauge for us this year end things with a little tight end discussion. Rob Gronkowski mentioned before. Athletics Greg Allman reported the expectation remains he'll be back. Two day three picks in the draft. Uh, PFF's own Trevor Sikkema, resident diehard Tampa Bay Buccaneers fan. He noted that Tampa Bay was apparently in love with Trey McBride going through the draft process. I would imagine for them not to pull the trigger on him, they got to feel pretty good about Gronk coming back. And again, you allow OJ Howard to walk for just $3 million. I doubt that would have happened if they didn't have some sort of certainty. And now with Gronk, We're not looking at 2020 Gronk, who, by the way, finished as the overall tight end eight, tight end 14 per game. Not trying to, you know, be a dick here and just pick, point my uh, volume stats so he was still good not great per game but last year we saw way closer to that 2016-2017 Gronk than we did in 2020. Last year Gronk broke 16 tackles that was more than he had combined from 2017 to 2020 his average of 2.02 yards per route run highest mark since 2017 tied with George Kittle as a tight end three and PPR points per game behind only Kelsey and Mark Andrews so Dwayne, last year, Gronk looked as, not as good as ever, but better than he had post-retirement. He's in an offense without AB, without Goblin, all those, maybe without Goblin for a bit. All those same volume, uh, good things that we said about Gage and Evans also apply to Gronk. And my God, tight end 12 on underdog. He's starting to move up as I think we continue to yell about this and try to educate the fine folks always playing on underdog fantasy. And Dwayne, I love it because I think the second that Gronk is saying, I'm back, we're doing it. He's going to be everyone's tight end six. You're going to take, you know, Andrews, Kelsey, Kittle, Pitts, and Waller. Probably Waller. You could even argue maybe Gronk tight end five. You don't need more than one hand to count the number of tight ends that you're going to draft ahead of Rob Gronkowski this year. That's my point.
1: Yeah, no, I think Gronk is like the absolute steal right now. Um, yep. You know, one of one of the top three steals right now going on in drafts. Um, you could end up being wrong, um, but... At the same time, like it doesn't, co- it's it's not a high cost. He is starting to creep up a little bit, but even though he's going off the board right now, FFPC tight end twelve, underdog tight end thirteen. Um, you know, an FFPC which is tight end premium. Like he's still lasting to like somewhere between like late round eight to round ten. Like so, that's still pretty cheap considering the format. And then on underdog, like even though he's creeping up a little bit, you know, you can still get him well after round ten. So you're not you're not spending a top you know, 10-round pick to get Rob Gronkowski on your team. Um, I, I do think he's going to regress a little bit. Like last year, you know, was kind of a, you know, a big swing, you know, for him. It was a career year as far as yards after the catch. Um, you know, and we've seen Gronk run, right? He's he's not, it's not like, you know, he's the Gronk that we used to know where he's we just know we could light things up from yards after the catch. So that's probably going to come down some, but even still, like it, it's, it's not going to be enough to matter with where you get him at ADP. And I agree, like once he says he's playing, like he's going to fit in as the tight end six. And right now, again, you're getting him in, in on underdog, probably like around, around 11, round 12. Sometimes we're seeing Gronk go on underdog. So like, that's just too cheap.
0: To quickly summarize the Tampa Bay Buccaneers offense, Dwayne and I both have Tom Brady QB7. Taking the dual threat guys that have that passing upside ahead of him, that is basically it, thanks to this pass-happy offense and father time not catching up quite yet. Leonard Fournette, my RB6. Dwayne a little bit lower, but still ahead of consensus. We are looking at a legit three-down back and an amazing offense. The only potential concern is Rashad White eating into a little bit of that target share, even then. Like the chance for Fournette to just be a 15-plus touchdown scorer can't be understated. And like, he really does have overall RB one potential in his range of outcomes. If he has a sort of receiving role that he had last year at wide receiver, I am higher than Dwayne, you know, probably in general, but also on Mike Evans, I'm going wide receiver <laughs> seven. He's got him at wide receiver 13, you know, again, so like it's, it's,
1: and Hey, just to be clear with people, like people are on your side like he he the market is against me not you the market is with you so well, you have ranked can,
0: wide receiver 13 like i know i'm probably making it sound like you're out on him i mean you're still no, ranked no. and it's a top uh, 13 freaking
1: receiver. right but we definitely talked about some players that i'm taking over him right yep. like I, I see guys that profile very similarly that are still you know younger and ascending that i'm going to go ahead and take just because my model we're not supposed to talk about models my supermodel. model Ian, there you go My supermodel, actually, you know, it's also factoring in, like, where these age cliffs happen, right? And so, it can start at this year that Evans is at. Like, doesn't mean it's going to happen. So, but when you look at the deteriorating profile plus, you know, we know that there could be more with the age. Like, that's just factored in. But to your point, like, I'm still... I have him, you know, almost inside my top 12. Like, he's just outside my top 12 receivers. Um, But, you know, we've talked about the receivers before, and at some point we'll have to come back and do a a quick receiver pod. I did the breakout article last week. Um, Folks can check that out over on PFF. But at the end of the day, like, I only have eight receivers even graded as wide receiver ones this year, right? (laughs) So they met enough of the data points to say, wow, this player is a wide receiver one. So I didn't just make it 12 just to make it 12. So... (laughs) Um, it's the receiver class is a little weird this year, just overall. and then Ev- Evans is just part of that story.
0: Chris Goblin, someone that we definitely need to keep an eye on in terms of that ACL recovery. Would make sense if they ease him along. But with that said, someone that once he's out there on the field and healthy, ready to go, going to be tough to keep him out of that top 12. I am fine continuing to treat him as a borderline wide receiver too, staying just a little bit ahead of the public. And then Russell Gage, we are all over the man. Truly one of the best values I think he can get in fantasy right now, considering both the floor and ceiling involved for his season. And at tight end, as Dwayne said, Gronk, Really, right now, top three, I would just say probably the top one value you can get. I'm mean, to see this guy going tight end 12, tight end 13 again to have. Don't take my word for it. Take Greg Allman, like one of the probably in my, for my money's worth, the best Tampa Bay Buccaneers beat writer out there when he's telling us the expectation is Gronk is going to return when the money's telling us that when every single roster move is telling us that go ahead and risk it. And worst case, you know, grab Cam in round 18 if you really want to sure things up and you'll be pretty much guaranteed to have Tom Brady's starting tight end. Dwayne, did I miss anything?
1: No. where did you say you have Godwin in your ranks?
0: Wide receiver, 23. I'm okay moving him down a spot or two.
1: Yeah, I have him at 20, but it's still the tier. Like, I've got him in a tier with Judy, Marquis Brown. You're a lot Mark higher, Williams. dude. He's,
0: he's wide receiver, 26 right now in underdog. I, he's really
1: he's, falling already. Uh, well, he was 23 the last I checked. But, like, you know, that was, like, I updated this, like, a day ago. So, maybe, it up, like maybe overnight it, it, it went to 26. But... It's just part of the news, you know, that he may not be ready. Like, people yeah. are finally getting hip on it. But to to your point, like, I still think he's going to end up being a wide receiver, too, whenever you need him to be a wide receiver, too, um, say, he's, you know, mid-season on. You know, for, you go for Godwin elite. or Bateman? Oh, I'm going Godwin. Okay. I'm going Godwin over Bateman. Look, we like Bateman, look. But he's on a run-heavy offense. You know, we've got a quarterback, you know, that's got questions. And he still has – he has not – Truly proven it yet, right? He barely made the PFF receiving grade tier two, um between sixty five and seventy four point yeah. nine. You know he does have the first round draft capital, and I, and I like Bateman, but I mean I think Godwin is a much better bet. You know, still that if we know at the end of the season and we're trying to count on somebody in our lineup, like Bateman could totally get there, yeah. but I like Godwin over Bateman.
0: God, Godwin over. How high Hoover. do you have Bateman? Jesus, wide well, receiver twenty six. I'm just wondering. I'm not getting any Bateman, so I'm. I would like to the amount of freaking Lamar Andrews stacks I've had, and I just can't get Bateman. Yeah. It's just well, ba-
1: Bateman's moving up. up He's night. definitely the hot name right now. I, I I think Bateman will settle back down some like we, we through the off season. You'll see these peaks. I don't think you're going to see a Valley with Bateman, but you'll see these names all of a sudden get really hot. And so like Bateman the other night in the hard way draft went round five. I want to say, I mean, so, I mean, people are, people are definitely on Bateman right now, right now. We will
0: get to Bateman once we end up making our way through the AFC North. But yeah, that's going to wrap up the Tampa Bay Buccaneers team preview. We'll be back on Tuesday with the New Orleans Saints, then the Atlanta Falcons, and then finally the Carolina Panthers. Great day to be great, as always, here on the PFF Fantasy Football Podcast. Dwayne, any final thoughts?
1: No, man, it was fun chatting through these. Um, you know, when we get to talk about the loaded offenses, um, like we don't, not every team is like Tampa Bay. So yeah. when you get them, yeah, it's, it's plenty to talk about. So no, nope, that's it. Um, I do have, um, I put out an article um, today. So if folks want to go check it out, I actually, I mentioned it a couple times, the hard way draft that I did with a lot of the industry high stakes guys over on FFPC, I had the two hole. Um, I started off with Cooper Cup, but I do a breakdown like of every one of my picks, what I was thinking, like who I had on my board, why I went with what I did, why I passed on another guy that I may not have taken that that maybe you like. And so just kind of trying to give people a feel for what things are like, you know, and it was a $350 draft. So a little skin in the game on it as well.
0: Great day to be great for Dwayne at Dwayne McFarlane on Twitter. Make sure you check out that article. As always, I'm continuing to grind out these very team previews with some USFL goodness thrown in there as well. So thank you, as always, for listening. For Dwayne, I'm Ian. Until next time, take care.